Hello and welcome to the High Wide and Handsome podcast, episode 330, featuring F.I. Lammings from the Twitter community and Slack. F.I. Lammings, great lad, and he talked a lot of sense. Um, he really stepped up to the mantle and took, took over whenever I needed him to most. I was in a bad way with a hangover, and I vow to you all that in 2020 I will not record hungover again, because I just can't do it. And I think I can do it, but I can't. I was a shadow of myself, but we still got a lot of really good conversation in. I think I made some good points, although it took me a bit longer than it normally does, and I was a little less sharp, but uh, we had good fun. What else? Computer issues. Jeez, I have had a nightmare. My laptop died. I was told to be 700 quid to fix. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, as you can probably hear from this intro, the audio quality is pretty good. I got it all sorted today, so I've got a new laptop, ready to rock, and yeah, there'll be no more hiccups. This this week we had the biggest hiccup yet based on technical issues with laptops. I had a crap laptop and basically recorded with Findex Frog and Trading Bear for the weekly segment and one of the audio tracks didn't save anywhere and it meant the podcast couldn't go out, which is a nightmare. So just shout out to Findex Frog and Trading Bear for their time. It didn't work out this week, which I'm absolutely gutted about, but hopefully that'll happen again very shortly. And the laptop's back, the mic's back, everything's back, we're ready, we're going. Um, Anything else? Big shout out to the sponsors of the show, Footstock. Footstock have been very good to me as sponsors, I just want to let that be known. They're a combination of card trading and daily fantasy football. You can buy Premier League cards and use them to enter fantasy football tournaments. For new signups, they're given 5 free player cards and a fiver cash balance to get you started with no deposit required. You're literally getting money for free, it's amazing. I say that every week because that bit genuinely gets me. I think that's a great offer. Uh, there's a season-long 10 grand free roll tournament with the winner guaranteed £5,000. And that can be entered throughout the Premier League. So you can get involved today at the link in the description. I'm an affiliate, so please use that link and I'll get something in return. Um, and yeah, why, why not just go get five player cards, five or cash balance and enter a 10 grand free roll. Anyway, moving on. Thank you so much for all the engagement in 2019. 2020 is off to an amazing start. The podcast in the podcasting sort of space for me. Um, I'm as motivated as ever and I'm looking forward to keeping this thing going strong into the year. So thanks for all the engagement, all your reviews, all your subscriptions, all your kind messages, everything. And welcome to all you new listeners. I hope you enjoy this week's episode and have a great week yourselves. Welcome to F.I. Lammings. F.I. Lammings, how are you? Hello, yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. I'm, I've said to you before we recorded, I've been better. I was out yesterday from four o'clock and, do you know, I think recently my hangovers have got much worse and I'm only 26 and people say when they hit 30 they get bad, but at the minute I like, last two times I've been drinking, I can't get out of bed till two, half two the next day. Oh, exactly the same. What age are you, and do you have bad hangovers? That's my first question. <laughs> I mean, I'm 27, and I'm now getting hit with the two days. Uh, I attempted dry January and gave up on Thursday, which was <laughs> lovely. Sat in a pub with a Coke in front of me, just not really realising what I'm doing with my life. So, straight for a pint. But New Year's was a, a big hangover that stretched a couple of days. I just can't handle it anymore. Yeah, I had a bad one. I think I was out for... On like the twenty eighth or something, 
and I was out like on the 30th as well. I didn't go out New Year's Eve because I was working, but like I'm talking like day gone, ruined. I've never had this before. Um, But like today I had to wake up and record a podcast with Frog and Trading Bear there at 11 o'clock. And Jesus Christ, I was definitely still drunk. And then anyway, enough complaining about hangovers. We'll move on. The I suppose whenever another version of your drunk cough. <laughs> yeah, oh Jesus, I was dying after that. <laughs> Let me see. We'll move on. The so the first I suppose whenever I mentioned you um on Twitter and sort of announced you'd be on, I mentioned that you're kind of recently focusing on PB and fixture trading. What's your kind of like journey been through strategies, and what have you changed, and what did you used to do that you don't do now? So I think. I I mean, I changed my strategy like the wind. Um, I've kind of just settled on fixtures because I've seen it's been pretty profitable for me. Um, Started out looking more at media. I thought that was a very repeatable dividend to get. You buy Pogba, you get money, and his price fluctuates. You don't really worry about that. Um, And since the change, I kind of focus a bit more on PB, and in particular with the new dividends, it just seems so profitable. And there's such a wealth of data out there with index game that it kind of seems silly not to dug into it more and more figured out that when players have easy games they win pb so it kind of made sense to look at the fixtures pick out who has the easy ones if there's an easy run of games out there start picking up players and then not only do they have more of a chance of winning pb but their price tends to rise as it goes through and just try and rinse and repeat really um I mean, I dedicate about half of my portfolio to what I call trading, which is mainly in um, PB and fixture trade, trading. Um, and then I also have a youth fund and then a dividend collection evergreen fund, um, which are kind of go up and down with the cycles. But I try to just collect the dividends. And then with the young ones, they're not winning yet, but they're my three year bets. that I reckon will double treble whatever in price over that time frame. But yeah, mainly it's trying to be active, trying to catch the rises and going from there. I know you could you can keep a wee spreadsheet or you can mentally kinda segment off the players into little funds, but it would actually be a handy feature if Football Index let you put the players into different kind of wee brackets within your portfolio or something. Um so you could kinda remember why you've bought players or how long. Yeah, I'd love it. Just tag them up. It would be good. Um Definitely. Int- I mean, even with the, they haven't even got three year bet yet. They haven't got the timer yet for like IPDs or for your three year hold, which I think there's been a bit of uproar about recently, and I'm sure that 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 that'll be coming in. Um, I think Adam Cole mentioned that in his statement during the PB, um, or not the PB, the dividend increase, didn't he? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think the Design FI account that's quite a good one to have, where you can actually feed the your feedback straight to them. I think that's quite useful. And we'll start seeing stuff there. The watch list coming in, I think it's come off the back of that and everyone's shouted about it. So I'm sure it's going to come at some point, but it's just a matter of when and how high a priority is it. I think at the moment there's so much that can be done. Media is definitely a priority for them, given that that matrix is shit. So hopefully they'll sort that and then they can do the UX improvements. Yeah. I think the, I don't know if there's a watch list yet on the app, is there? I don't think you can do that. No, not on the app, but on the websites, both on, and it carries across mobile and desktop, which I think is a lot useful. It's better than it was before. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great to have it on the, the app where you can, you can use the watch list, but I suppose that's an app update. Maybe that's, that has to be down the line. I suppose if they've done it on the, the desktop or just the internet. 
Um, where do you actually source the fixture lists? Do you just go through manually and I suppose look ahead, or do you? Is there somewhere you go? There's a bit of everything. So Index Gain has the fixture analysis, which is quite a useful starting point if you're paying for premium, um, which I definitely recommend if you are or if you're not. Um, but there's also, I think it's Moz on uh, Twitter, MozFI. He puts out some really useful tables about yeah. um, people putting really easy fixtures out. And then, I mean, Google helps a lot. You, you get all the fixtures there as well. But it's just looking at the bottom three or four teams, see if there's any like uh, people that are coming up or teams that they're playing that's repeated. And then you can dig a bit deeper from there. But a lot of it is manual, but there's definitely those good starting points. Yeah. Uh, because something that it doesn't put me off fixtures because I know it's so profitable and I'd love to do it. It's more just that hassle of finding the fixtures. And I do have index green premium. I just need to go and maybe look at the the fixture sort of forecast because it's not about buying them at the start of the good fixtures. It's about buying them two weeks before they have 30 days of good fixtures when everyone else is going to be buying them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can time that right and time that wrong. I tend to find a week to two weeks tends to be the sweet spot, but I mean, there's a lot that you can get wrong. I've, I've tweeted about a week ago about um, Milo Venedic at uh, Palace because their fixtures after the Man City game that's next week are really good. Yeah. Um, thinking that he bought them out at 83p, that's when I got in. I think he's down at 75, 74p now. Um, so hopefully he can pull something out at City. Um, but if not, he's got a great run of fixtures to return something. He's decent for PB anyway. He's Milijevic. Are they are Palace playing right now? They are against uh, Arsenal. They are. Yeah, I think it's one all at the moment. Ninetieth minute. Bamiang's been sent off. What a shame. <laughs> I don't think he's um, Milijevic hasn't <laughs> pulled anything out of the bag anyway. PB wise. Nah, I wouldn't expect him today. No. I don't think. Um. Anyway, we move on. Do you know what? We're gonna I'm gonna try and rattle through some questions because there's a lot of them. So I could sit and ask you things that people have probably asked themselves, or we could just try and get through them. So we'll do the latter. Um. FI Gardner has asked, "Do you get involved in transfer silly season, or is it just a bonus if one of your holes gets linked with a big move?" Um. I do. I do try and get involved. Um. But I'm still relatively new to it. Um. There's been losses. There's been some wins um trying to figure out when to get off players is a struggle particularly if like you miss that initial rise then in order to make any money if you're getting on the transfer actually has to happen kicking myself being out for the bruno fernandez rise that's gone up on a 70p ridiculous of a rio ferdinand tweet like if that one doesn't happen there's a huge fall there but if that one doesn't happen rio ferdinand looks like an idiot so i reckon it will but it's a difficult one. I think there's so much going on that in the media that's just crap. So, I mean, people will tweet out, you've got Sean Nonstaff, who I was certain would go to United this window. Not happening, even though the rumours were all about last summer and about at the beginning of January as well. So that's one that I've been stung with myself and then led to being a bit more cautious with Man United rumours as well because every player under the sun's linked to United. And then you miss the ones that actually do rise. So it's a difficult one, but if you can pick those that are going to go, then it's very profitable. Um, and even if you look at the areas that a lot of teams need to improve, so centre-backs at the moment, although they're not as FI friendly, 
Arsenal need centre-backs. Chelsea are looking for a centre-back. United are potentially in the market. You pick up a centre-back that's likely to go, particularly with the Euros, and people want to go in. Then they're going to eventually get a rise in a link, and then you can sell at the top of that link if you actually don't think it's going to happen. That's what I've kind of find works, but in reality, it's difficult. It is, and the thing with transfers is it's such a bloodbath. That the, the way even I'm looking at this, Bruno Fernandez, one of the minute is, what's he sitting at now? Something like three ninety or something. Let me just double check. Um, but this could go one or two ways, and it's all about that that risk and reward. It's like, let me see, where is he? He's at three ninety. Yeah. This transfer gets confirmed. In my opinion, he hits four quid plus. And if he does a, has a good few performances eventually, that he's a five or five or plus player in my opinion, because uh, he is PB friendly. We know this. United, big club, media, um, and then there's obviously the Euros with Portugal. I don't know if he starts them, does he? Probably does. I think he does. I don't know off the top of my head, but he seems like a player. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't. And if he's not, and he goes to United, then he's almost certain to start. Yeah, but the thing is, he'll do one or two things. He either goes four pound plus, whatever, touches closer to a fiver, or he goes back to three quid and people are kicking themselves who've bought in now. It's kind of, it's a hard one. It's a proper punt, like, until a transfer is confirmed, because we know how crazy transfers are, and it's not done until you see them holding the shirt, like. Yeah, exactly. At this price, especially, it's a punt. Um I find the bookie offers quite useful. If you kind of look at Betfair, what are the odds on him joining Man United? That can normally give a a bit of a link, but they're never certain. And particularly when the stay-at-home club um, price isn't there, you can never properly see. But, I mean, I'd be very surprised if Bruno Fernandes doesn't go to United now. Um, I'm seeing a few rumours that Monday's when it's going to be confirmed. So that's probably a good bit to get in, but... It depends what actually happens to his price as well, whether it's going to have an initial dip where people take the profit and move it on to the next transfer thing. And then is that the right time to get on? Or will he just continue going up? It's a difficult one. But yeah, one that I think I'll steer clear of until he has a few games under his belt, see how he performs. Because you never know with Man United and Oli at the moment, they could three losses in a row. He becomes Pepe, everyone hates him. And then bangs in a couple of goals for the next one and he rockets again. Yeah. I'm just looking here. You'd mentioned the the odds on Betfair or whatever. I'm looking at Paddy Parr and they don't actually have odds on Bruno Fernandez at the minute. That's got to be a sign. Considering, like, I mean, you look here, there's everyone. I mean, there's even Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is there. Like, the, the odds on him moving. Every big transfer name, you know, your Declan Rice, your... Ipamacano, Ipamasano, I don't know how you pronounce it. Giroud, who's probably going somewhere. Jack Grealish, Shabarechi, Ease, uh, Easy. Anyone who has a transfer potential in them um, is there, except for Bruno Fernandez, which just shows his odds are obviously so short that they're not willing to, to take bets on it. Like, Yeah, he's got to be going. I wonder what the, uh, the bet fair market is, but I imagine it'll be very, very short. I'd say so. Um, we'll, for that exchange, even if there even is one at the moment. We'll move on anyway. Um, FI Force has asked, how do you approach fixture trading? What makes a player stand out? What is your strategy regarding holding and exiting? We've probably covered bits of that, but is there anything you'd add? Yeah, I mean, obviously I mentioned Mozzie's spreadsheets as a starting point. Um, but I think just to cover the 
kind of strategy regards holding and exiting. It's one of those that's different for each player. Um, there's no rinse and repeat strategy to it. If there was, I guess everyone would be do it, doing it and then it wouldn't be profitable anymore. But it's, it is really looking at who's got good fixtures. Are there any players in there that are capable of winning PB, particularly if a lot of those fixtures are gold days? Um, if there isn't, you do just have to chalk that off and move on. Um, there, there's probably not an opportunity there. In terms of like my strategy for exiting, it's also player dependent. I have to think like if I got stuck holding this player um, and missed the boat on selling, what am I gonna like? How am I gonna feel about that? Someone like um, Immobile, who I tweeted about recently. If I, I mean, I'm gonna hold him for a lot longer because a He's a big dividend threat, and I've got the the Euro saves all approach, um, where if I don't sell him until the end of the season, that's absolutely fine because he's smashing in goals left, right, and centre. There's going to be lots of other opportunities to get off if I want to, and he's likely to be leading the line for Italy, a um, pretty easy group in the Euros. So it does change player to player from there. If they're if they CA's like going to be massive or the cap app even then stay on if they hit a price where i'm like right they're probably overvalued at this point then i'll be looking to sell but i tend to hold longer than i should do or longer than um quite a few people think because i try to get in all of those fixtures and then exit um via the market sell um but i mean it's different for each player some of them will rock it on two goals in the first fixture and you think they're now just massively overvalued um, take the profit and move on but the majority of the time it's trying to collect those pv dividends because they are huge at the moment like for a two pound player if you can get that star man then you're absolutely laughing who's next there's a million questions here the fi jack has said there's been a lot of talk lately about pb average versus pb peak what are your thoughts on this is it a major factor for you when trading definitely um i mean peak is king in this peak scores win pb averages are nice to show consistency but um, for me, really, peak is what I focus on, particularly when I'm looking at gold days um, and even silver days. The only time I really look at averages is when there's a one or two game bronze day and an average could win with like a couple of one or draws, for example. Or like if there's no standout performance, the player who averages the highest tends to win. Um, but realistically, it's looking at base stores and then the likelihood of them to score or get a clean sheet for defenders is a lot better. Because someone who averages 150 and never scores isn't going to win PB. It will look really pretty, but they're not going to win you any dividends. There's no real reason for them to rise. Yeah, I used to be big man for the uh, averages, and I bought all my PB holds based on that uh, from Index Gain last sort of June or something. But I'm just looking up here a player who I think is literally what we're talking about. Sorry, um, bear with me. But then I realized I, I kind of care more about the peak now. Um, as long as the peaks are regular and not an absolute anomaly. Where is he? Yeah. Like, do you remember Tiago Mendes? Yeah. He's kind of went off the radar a bit. He's tape, he's fallen. I do. Yeah, I bought him at the start of the season. He's fallen right back to 57p. He's down how much? He's down 22% over the last three months. Yeah. He's the type of guy who last year had a ridiculous base and he did win PB a few times. Um, he won it actually twice. Um, and this season I had really high hopes for him, but like his average there, to be fair, is only 
well, I say only, it's like, what, 116, I think. But, I mean, his peak score is 176, which is never going to win you PB unless it's a single uh, bronze day, like, maybe. No, completely agree. I mean, his transfer, he was one of the ones that I looked at because he was absolutely smashing it at Lille last season. And I thought, all right, he's going to absolutely kill it now that he's transferred. Um, better team, can knock it around, but it just hasn't happened. And I bought him at the start of the season. I think they had a, a single game day back then or bronze now. But he's just not done it at all. And he was one that I got out of quite quickly when it looked like he'd lost all set pieces at this new club and he's just not going to do it. Set pieces are everything. It is, they call it the crossing matrix, and it's true. It, it, set pieces at the minute are so vital for winning PB. Um, not necessarily for winning PB, because you can obviously have those goal games where players get hat-tricks or two goals, but... In terms of those consistent performers, the Matrix is purely a set-piece taker's game at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, completely. I mean, you look at someone like Trent, who's free or crosses in those free kicks, crosses in for corners, and then also just crosses in all game long as well. I mean, he'd still be a threat without set-pieces, but he's the exception that kind of proves the rule of how valuable they are. And you see players' prices drop all the time when they lose set-pieces just because it ticks off their base score. and then. And then it's so much harder for them to hit a peak. That one goal that would have got them a 250 now and he gets them a 230, for example, and they're probably not winning gold gold day dividends for that. But no, it is everything. I think that's something that we'll see change when they do the uh, dividend matrix review at the end of the season. Because crossing at the moment, like they say, it's a crossing matrix. If you're whipping in balls, I mean, the fact that you can whip a ball and hit the first man... 20 times in a, in a game and get absolutely ridiculous scores. It's just stupid. You're just giving away possession the whole time. If they can just make it so it's more about accurate crosses, then I think that's going to be a lot more fruitful for and a lot more realistic. I think everyone... And then those players who are better and do put the crosses in onto heads. Sorry, the wee delay. <clears throat> he got me talking over you there. Um, but yeah, just said, I, d- I think everyone would agree with that. I, th- I don't think anyone feels that crosses that hit the first man are... Do, do absolutely nothing should be rewarded quite as handsomely. Um, there should probably be a bigger penalty for losing possession, or I don't know. There's a lot of things they can do, but I, I like you, agree that will change. We'll move on. Let me see. Dan Jackknife has asked three questions. We'll definitely get one in because there's a million, so I want to share the love. Let me see. Let me pick one. Are you, as you're very PB oriented, oriented do you hold more mids in your port rather than other positions? alternatively do you hold less mids due to the competition so I, I did go through my portfolio and counted up all the players in the different positions um i do hold more mids uh it's just over 40 percent mids and then just under 30 percent forwards and same for defenders um the reason being if a mid wins pb they're likely to win star man as well so they get double the payout when they do win um just because of the way the matrix is so it makes sense to hold more of those midfielders because when they win they win bigger they don't have to win as often it is generally a midfielders game isn't it the midfielders generally put in the much bigger higher scores obviously other than exceptions or four goals in the game for most forwards but are there any like forwards in the world other than like Messi there definitely are but you like other than Messi and Neymar who are classed as a forward yet are on set pieces and cross the ball loads and create a lot of chances they're the real like that's why those players are priced so highly. Are there any of those that are kind of? This is just me thinking off the bat. Like young and upcoming, they they're really like 
good for targeting. Yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head as well. Jesus, my head is not working today. I can't think of any off the top of my head of the forwards that do dominate in that area. A lot of them are, I mean, do you remember when Harry Kane was on corners at the World Cup or the Euros? I can't even remember which one it was. And everyone was up in arms because people like their number nines in the box. It tends to be those that are listed as a winger. Um, I think William's quite a good example. It's just a shame he's not the young version because um, he does take uh, free kicks every now and then, plays as a number 10 or out on the wing. So he can get the ball in and is a goal for it every now and then, although not as big as I'd like as a Chelsea fan. But I do think like if you do find them, I think watching games at that point, because they might... Uh, even if they come off the bench, you see someone like Mason Greenwood come off the bench. If you see him take a free kick, then when he actually does get on and start, he might be a lot more valuable and justify that massive price point of his. Um, if you can find one of those for a pound, two pounds, then I mean, there's no real safer free year bet than those. Yeah, those kind of young set-piece taking forwards who score goals. We'll move on. FA Davos. Any hints on how to fix your t- trade profitably? We've probably covered a lot of this. Um, is is it best preparing well in advance for a good run of fixtures to sell for cap up during the fixtures, or do you tend to buy in and around the favourable fixtures at a higher price, presumably, so you have the IPD window? We kind of covered all that, but um, apart from the IPD, but would IPDs be a big part of your your thought process? For me, no. Um, I don't really. I see IPDs as a bonus if they come in, but I don't trade for IPDs at all. I used to a little bit, but it's so hard to make that profitable. I mean, realistically, if you find a 50p player with eight games over 30 days, I think that's the max. There might have been a couple of instances of nine, um, but a 50p player with eight games and they score in half of those, that's 4p of IPDs, um, which covers, let's say they've got a really favorable 2p spread and then 1p of commission. You've just made 1p profit per share that you own on those. It's not really that worth it because the yields just aren't worthwhile and if you find a player that can do that they're not going to be 50p very long they're probably going to shoot up to 70p you never know you might get lucky 90p a pound and that's what you're really trading from you're trading for the cap app and the potential for them to win pb rather than on the ipds alone which just come along as a bit of a bonus and you can throw them into your next trade but yeah i do think the ipd side of things right now not completely worth it um, particularly in comparison to the cap app that you get from players when they score, particularly in an early game. Um, so I think kind of going back to the hints part of that question, it's looking at fixture times as well. I see to be quite a profitable method. If you have a player that plays early, Italy starts some games at half 11 in the morning. If someone scores an early goal in that game, they're going to rock it. So if you can pick, I think Lazio did it last week with Immobile had two goals, looked like he was going to win PB, rose about 30p in the time. And then Chris Smalling gave away a 89th minute penalty for Belotti to steal it. But I mean, if you just see stuff like that, a favourable early game, particularly if it's a UK TV game, then you can uh, get some real good cap app out of that. If you're looking for short-term trading, I mean, if they've got that game and then some really favourable fixtures afterwards, then you're almost at a lot much safer space in terms of having some profit um, if you hold for longer. And then when if people have seen that, they've seen him rocket on a good goal, then they, he goes on, plays bottom of the league in two weeks, 
grabs another couple of goals, wins PB, he rises a hell of a lot more based off that. And all of a sudden, you've got a really profitable trade on your hands. Yeah. Something just that you said that I find interesting is the, the APDs as a bonus. That's kind of how I view MB and APDs. They're just a bonus. Um, because I anytime I buy someone, it's four cap up or it's four of their PB credentials. So the other two, I just, I just don't think there is statistically when the APDs can be. As you said, the thing with APDs is the payoff isn't big enough to warrant getting too excited or trading based on them. And with MB, I just think it's a bit of a lottery most of the time. I know I know there are proven winners, um, who will win in the long run, but for me. I mean, like, you could look at someone's price and say, oh, yeah, last year they won X amount of MB dividends, but situations change and they're not guaranteed to win them at all. And the squad being involved has absolutely, I don't know, turned the cart in its head. What's, what's the saying? That, that'll that do. Um, do you know? Like, has that affected anything? Did that affect your maybe sway away from MB? Completely agree. Um, so I swayed away from MB for that reason. Um, when it opened up to the squad, I held a few MB holds, but... They weren't going through as much. I think the only two people you can really hold now for reliable MB, um, Paul Pogba. I mean, he beat, beat out someone early this week because he was drugged up after surgery. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But, uh, I mean, he's an absolute media magnet. I think he beat um, Mane, who won African Player of the Year. So if someone's got that kind of pull, then they're obviously a worthwhile hold. Um, if you're going for media and then name for one name when it is transfer window time he's obviously going to pick up a little bit but I mean his main threat is his PB when he plays um, and if he can sustain the patch without injury then he's looking very cheap at eight pounds but yeah for me trading for media at the moment it's it's not one that I'm finding or find profitable just because it has been opened up to so many different players and they're going to change it soon if you can predict the changes then you're going to see players rock it um, from there but at the moment you know that they're going to change the media matrix you don't know what to and to what extent so any media holds right now they're a difficult one to hold unless they're the absolute king of media of Paul Popper everyone else is going to be difficult to hold on to because they're going to change to the bet Paul Pogba's a not to shit on him and or not to big him up but I don't even know which way this is going to go the way I talk about him but I've never really held him um at the minute, the th- I think the thing that scares me about him is just how volatile I feel that hold is. With his injuries, he could come back and he could be a world beater. You never know. Or like, there's obviously the Euros. He'll be a star of that. But then he gets transferred to, say, Real Madrid and his price dives. And it's kind of one of those. I just, God, fair play to boys who hold a lot of them because I'd be shitting myself. Yeah, I held over summer. Um, and... I think with that summer ended up with the dividends he collected and then his price reducing. I think it was almost neutral. It might have been up or down a couple of pence. But um, for me, that was a sign as well. If you can ride the popper waves, um, he's quite easy to spot when he's down low and then wait for him to rise up again. Then I guess that is quite a profitable strategy, um, particularly for the cap app. But for me as well, I think he's, yeah, he's a bit too volatile and just don't know what's going on with, with him yet. So, I mean, I don't hold at the moment. Um, I know plenty of people do, um, and I can see why he's pulling in dividends and it's all going really well at the moment. But like you say, if he does transfer to Madrid, he'll see a drop. I'm sure that'll pick up again with a few decent performances. But then on the flip side of that, 
if he, I mean, he's probably going to leave United at some point, but if that ends up being PSG, the PB that he could rock up there would be massive and he'd be just as valuable and keep some of his media pool, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It's a, a volatile one. Uh, we move on. FI Beast Mode has asked who would win in a fight between Adebayo, Akinfenwa and Adama Traore, the good one. <laughs> I love this question. Properly dug into that. I was looking up their weights, their heights. Who's got the better reach? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm quite a big boxing fan anyway. Um, but looking into it, I mean, for me, Akinfenwa, absolutely easy. <laughs> Adama's 72 kg. Uh, Akinfenwa, 102 so it's a heavyweight against a middleweight. Yeah. There's no way Adama's going to be able to outrun him. Well, you see, in something like this, I think it all depends on the ground game. If Adama Traore has a bit of jiu-jitsu in the back pocket, there's always a chance. Um, but if we're talking standing on the feet, having a good old scrap, True. I mean, you're, you're probably talking Akam Fenwa. And Akam Fenwa would have a large advantage on the ground as well with his weight. But, I mean... Adam is just one of those guys, I think, who'd probably be good at Anthony Tried because of his physique. So, I don't know. My money would go on Akinfenwa, though. I think he'd definitely be favoured by, by a long way. Yeah, I just think you get caught with Akinfenwa's right hand and it's game over. I think he'd, he'd give a, a lot of people a big hit. <laughs> the next miscellaneous one, actually, is from F.I. Elliot. Are you afraid of Vladimir Derrida? <laughs> so, this comes um, off the back of a bet that I've got with... Um, Logic, um, who we we I used to own quite a bit of Dorita as well, and I sold um, off the back of the Jacko rumors, um, thinking that he's going to cannibalize his PB. Doesn't hasn't actually happened, but um, so we've got a bet on whether Dorita will win any uh, any sort of dividends or PB dividends um, until Czech Republic get knocked out of the Euros. Um, I mean, I. I'm probably on the losing side of that bet now that he's uh, got a free reign playing in number 10 where his PB did pick up um, very nicely. Um, and I mean, I did say I'd get back on Dorita if the transfer didn't happen, but I just can't self bring myself to do that. I mean, I suppose it's hedging, but gambling man at the end of the day, can't be hedging that bet. <laughs> £50 to charity, by the way. Charity of the other's choice. Oh, that's what I was about to ask. 50 quid to charity the other's choice Oof. well good luck with that let's hope you're hoping he doesn't win anything then yep yeah I hope he doesn't win anything uh, he can get a few second places that's fine that, that would just tease logic but um, no I don't want him to win <laughs> and I want him to get knocked out of the Euros so Ingo can go through very good uh, we'll move on let me see Joe Brown why do you think the top end has been so slow the last three months I'm starting to think this January this massive January won't compare to last January I know it's early days, but all I'm reading is Neymar will be a 10 or easy when yet he's actually cheaper than 11 months ago. I mean, this was asked before the risk-free offer, which I think changes everything with that £500 risk-free. We're going to see a lot more trading um, and should see that January boom that everyone was expecting. But I do think the slow start to January is down to a few reasons. I think the deposit bonus at the end of December um, meant that some traders overstretched to maximise that bonus. And then we would have seen some of them pull back afterwards. Um, I don't think that's a huge amount, but everyone was expecting January to rocket. So it makes sense that people would have deposited at the start of January anyway. Um, But even with new users coming in, they've been saying around a thousand new users a day. Those users don't put in 100K immediately. 
they'll be putting in 50 pound 100 pounds and then over time over the month hopefully they'll be investing more so we should see it grow more and more and more but the biggest factor for me is the lack of football with all the winter breaks people haven't been playing football there's not been much to bet on so things that people were waiting with cash balance balances dropping up and down in transfer holds um, while new users are finding their feet and then now that actual football's back and the fixtures are coming a lot quicker hopefully we'll start to see it all pick up and i'm quite confident it was i was speaking to um, ej on twitter and uh, he put out a tweet saying he thinks it's just starting to creep back up again um, now that kind of every, everything's aligning and I think I agree with him. It's uh, We're about to see everything take off and really interesting to see what happens with all the gold days. I think if you win PB during January, your price is going to absolutely take off. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's a weird one because I don't want to be, I'm not, I, I really don't want to be a big negative Nancy, but I think everyone, it, as is often the, is often a problem with football index twitter and probably football index forum and everywhere else it's like an echo chamber and all you get for months is everyone bigging up january bigging up january bigging up january to the point that people expect something that's probably never going to happen so then whenever that inevitably doesn't happen regardless of how good or bad it's been people are going to be negative about it um it's the same as the euros i I think the euros as amazing as they're going to be i mean i'm not trying to be a debbie downer but I think they'll find it hard to live up to their expectation. People have been talking about it for a year, trading off it for based off it for a year. And what I think will happen is it'll be great crack and everything will be wonderful and the people who do well in the tournament will, will be handsomely rewarded. However, there's going to be a bloodbath as well when people get knocked out of the tournament. Um, but then, that's me just being a big Debbie Downer, I think. The if it was ASP posted something quite controversial on this topic yesterday. Oh, I did, yeah. It was... um. I can't, I can't remember what he said, but I did reply to it as well about the never-ending bonuses. It says here, yeah, another bonus after a previous bonus, after the biggest dividend increase ever, after another bonus. Market cap lagging way behind projections. I thought this was supposed to be the biggest January boom ever. It's almost like the product isn't good enough. What a surprise. <laughs> now that's a Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean... I don't understand ASP at all. For a guy who had a, he did have a 950k portfolio, has definitely pulled back because we haven't seen that one million pound tweet yet. Um, I mean, he's just slates a product, comes on, slates a product, doesn't do anything again for three weeks. But I mean, my view on that is if FI are in a position where they can offer incentive after incentive, it obviously points to pretty healthy profits. And I mean, every other bookie in the country offers endless free bets because it's such a competitive space. So to point this towards oh, the product's failing, they're not getting anyone in, I think it's just one side of the story where he obviously doesn't have the answers. Um, and yeah, it's that whole Debbie Downer thing. People that spend their entire lives on Twitter just complaining, complaining, and complaining. Like, I don't understand what they get out of it. It's just, yeah, ASP going on, oh no, they're giving out more free money. What a terrible company! Like, where where is that going? Uh, market cap <laughs> lagging, but it's almost at a million pounds. Like that's huge for a four year company. Yeah, so it's like completely new. Yeah, I think it's he must be pulling out a lot of his money because why would you be so negative on a public kind of forum like that, Twitter? Like, whenever you have that much money invested, um, he must be pulling out a bit. But anyway, um, we'll move on. 
and we'll try and be a bit more positive and, and uplifting about the product. The next question, Metropolis asks, his strategy has changed presumably due to market shifts, trends and announcements, updates made by Football Index. In hindsight, does he think shifting strategy was more profitable than having a very diverse portfolio from the beginning, which would have coped better with the various dynamics and shifts in the market? But if you can identify those shifts, those um, trends early, then definitely I find it um, more profitable. You're, if you think about it, like you're just catching every wave as it goes up, trying to jump off at the peak and then catch the next wave. Um, I mean, if you have a very diverse portfolio and soak up all the growth and catch everything, all the rises and falls, that's obviously very profitable at the moment. Um, I mean, as Big Don shows, having loads of players means you've always got a bet in the game. And that is obviously a very profitable strategy for him, um, particularly with a big port like that. Um, but for me, I find a lot of the enjoyment as well is like finding that next trend um, or finding those or for me, all the time there's football on, there's going to be teams with easier fixtures than others and teams that are more likely to win PB than others. So if I can identify that early, get on those players um, and then start a discussion around that, then, I mean, that's obviously a lot more profitable. I mean, some of the trends are very obvious. We've got transfer season right now. So obviously focusing some time to that, trying to get pick the right players for it. And then you're going to have the Champions League stages coming up in Europa League so some of those players are going to rise particularly to get into the quarterfinal gold days and then we're probably going to be looking at another PB round where someone gets a massive payout after another massive payout and everyone's like oh PB dividends are really really valuable um, and you'll see the top end stretch a bit more or you'll have like the Tony Cruz scenario where a midfielder wins two or three in a really short amount of time and then people try and find the next Tony Cruz You've got the Euros, as you say, there'll be another youth hype. Who's going to make the Euro squads? Um, so, I mean, some of these trends are quite predictable. And if you can get in a few weeks to a month in advance of the big trends, um, then, I mean, that's definitely going to be a profitable strategy. But if you have a really diverse portfolio, you're going to be soaking up that growth from those trends. But you're also going to be suffering the dips when those trends end. Um, but it's all... I mean, the great thing about FI is that there's not one right way to trade. There's so many different profitable strategies, so many different people trade in different ways. And because it's a growing product, everyone's still making a lot of money. Um, when that growth dries up, obviously, there's going to be more optimal, optimal strategies than others. Um, but even that optimal strategy will continue to evolve because um, once it gets figured out, everyone does it and if it doesn't um remain optimal anymore so i mean i think with that for me it's about yeah identifying obviously i've got a youth um section of my portfolio i've got a pb section of my portfolio to hopefully catch some of those rises that do periodically come around um but for me yeah, i do find a lot of the enjoyment is with trading his next question he goes on says how much do you trade i.e do you buy and sell players much or do you just ride the waves and think long term you kind of mentioned that but is there anything else you'd like to add yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, like you say, half of my portfolio is riding the waves. The other half is trading quite regularly. Um, I mean, the definition of quite regularly, I tend to do it in 30-day cycles. Um, but like I say, if I see uh, players hit a target price, then I'll um, look for the next opportunity and sell them. Um, but normally it's, yeah, looking at 30, 45 days um, worth of fixtures or 
if it's a transfer, then obviously that goes down to, I don't know, some of them are a few days, some of them are wait till nearer the end of the season, end of the transfer window. Um, but yeah, there's no set, right, it's, I've got 30 days and then I'm going to sell this player. It's going to be dependent on the player and dependent on my strategy for that player, which I try to have before I buy in. I identify when I, I would ideally like to sell. Very good. We move on to another forum question for you. Vespasian has asked, does Lamy reckon we are almost guaranteed a dev increase, increase in the summer on the back of the inaugural promised yearly review? I mean, I think to a guaranteed div increase, given how much they increased them um, earlier this year, or earlier last year, I should say, is not into here. I mean, it's not written in the stars. It, it all depends on how much the product grows over the next six months or so. If we see that the market cap goes up by 50%, then we might see them increase dividends a bit. I don't think there'll be any increase will be as large as this one was because um, dividends are so profitable at the moment. I mean, even the like you have two, three pound players are returning massive amounts when they win a gold day, day star man. And there's so many players in amongst that um, range. I put a tweet out, um, must've been around a month ago about there's only a handful of players, half the price of Neymar. So there's so much room for player prices to grow with the current dividend structure. And particularly as Neymar is so undervalued at the moment, um, according to, I mean, a lot of the big, um, profiles out there will be telling you the same thing, like the dividends that he can win. So as he stretches the market more and more, then uh, other players are going to look even more appetizing. So the need for a dividend increase from FI's perspective are lower um, to stimulate the market. But I think a review in that case, it, I mean, it might be centered more around IPDs, which aren't as valuable at the moment, but then you do run the risk. I think there's a really nice balance at the moment between PB and IPD waiting, and it's going to be difficult to go into decimal points of dividends, like one and a half pence per goal. It just sounds a bit ridiculous, and it makes a already a fairly complicated product even more complex. Like what happens when I have half a P? How do I withdraw that? Blah 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 blah. So for me, I don't think it's guaranteed, but if we do see FI absolutely smash it with news or onboarding and the market cap grow massively then there's definitely a case to be made for it but right now there's no one really complaining about how valuable PBE dividends are um, and for me that's the core of the product and the USP yeah um, I agree the Vespasian's second part of his question was do you have an exit strategy to swap strategy again i.e. sell PB players before or during Euros to move back to MB port for summer are you happy to ride the PB dip dips and top up in the summer ready for next season i think for me it will be topping up um i i mean if we see massive drops um particularly non-european players just ahead of the euros that's going to be a prime time to buy in we've already seen with injury trades that players prices rise by so much um before they even come back so i mean if you see some of the pv players their prices drop massively just because they're not playing in the euros as you've kind of got a a long-term strategy there to buy in for it. I think summer, I mean, you, you, you'll get the pre-season hype, so there'll be some trends there for youngsters, as there always is after the Euros. Um, but for me, it's going to be topping up and making myself ready for the next um, season rather than selling up, moving to MB, because again, 
I can trade in and out of transfers over summer or I'll have some holes for the Euros as well. Um, but realistically, I think topping up for the PD while the prices are low is going to be the best strategy for me. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for um, sort of May, June when I can buy a bunch of those non-European PB holds because last year it was very profitable for me buying the PB players in the dip. So I'm really looking forward to it this year with a bit more experience. I might be able to even do it better and actually hold them right until they they rise completely. Um, I jumped out a bit prematurely last season. We'll go on. Let me see. We're trying. We might actually get most of these done, you know. I'm not talking as much today as I usually do. I'm sorry. People are probably happy and you're talking very well, which is great. But um, I'm sorry that my head doesn't work today. Uh, Index Brammers asks, why does favourable fixtures mean a player's price will rise when it's a three-year bet? I'll answer that very quickly, just um, and you can add what you want. I mean, yes, it's technically a three-year bet, but I mean, people also make week-long bets or month-long bets, essentially, and cash out. Um, and they know before they make said bet that they will be cashing out early or selling up. So, I mean, people buy based on now. People want excitement over the coming weeks and months. People want the chance to win dividends and ride the capital appreciation and make a quick profit. So that's why the price rises. People don't all hold their bets for three years. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I So, I mean, for me, I actually spoke to Brahmas on um, DM after the question just because uh, notice he's a new trader. Seems like a good lad. Um, but yeah, for me, it is like the, that three-year bet. It's a three-year maximum bet. The size of the bet or the length of time of the bet is completely up to you. Um, of when you want to cash it out, it's just a max three-year bet. It's not like a normal stock market where you get annual payouts. Those payouts, in terms of dividends, come in clusters, um, and you can sell at any point as you want because. You're not waiting until, I mean, except for the 12 p.m. deadline, you're not really waiting days or weeks while someone's performing well to actually get that payout and to hold it at the end. Whether that changes, if they introduce something like a team of the month dividend, then um, depending on the mechanics of that, then you might see kind of a more regular, all right, this is a one month bet and like fixed term bets from there. But no, I think what you said is spot on. It's not a three-year bet specifically it's a three-year max bet yeah sorry there i was looking into something that i thought might have added to the question but it didn't go to plan um but look i think we've answered his question and welcome to football index then you were saying he's a beginner so how's it going brammers uh swiss mark fi what do you consider your highest price limit of players when it comes to value trading ipds obviously there's more value to trade the lower end but do you ever rough cut off price that you won't go over do you trade much ipds i think you said you don't really trade based on them yeah exactly i think uh it alludes back to what we were talking about earlier where for me ipds just aren't profitable um so i don't trade them yeah at all um and the same i don't trade based on them at all so we'd probably just move on from that one mark um do you think world cup qualifiers will be pb eligible it's from daniel i think given that the euro qualifiers were um I'd love them to be. It's going to be really interesting to see how they do that with non-European markets, though, because um, it gives, it, I mean, it makes their liability a lot higher, or potentially, because I mean, it would just be like another match day. Um, it depends on the number of games, and then if they are, it makes the the uh, media holds even less valuable. Um, but yeah, seeing how, I mean, Australia against China being PB eligible is 
absolute madness and you can see some absolute rockets for um, some short-term trading based off some players that might never have heard of. Um, so that'd be really interesting to see. Um, but I'd, I'd love them to be. Um, it's just the mechanics of how, because actually it might make European players less valuable because Europe as a whole is more competitive um, in comparison. So unless you're playing San Marino, you get some actually quite competitive games. I mean, England, Czech Republic in the qualifiers, Czech Republic turned England over, um, despite England being a supposed big nation compared to Czech Republic not being as big. Um, so yeah, seeing that happen all around the world and being able to pick out some amazing fixtures. I wonder who like the, the, the worst team to try and qualify for a World Cup would be. I mean, you could see, I mean, Mares and Algeria absolutely killing some teams. Um, that'd be quite funny to see. I mean, you might see some 400, 500 scores yeah, yeah. if that happens. Yeah, the... I think that's actually a very interesting point because if they did make all World Cup qualifiers PB eligible, you would have really, really strange players who might be worth 10, 15p if, or less competing for a substantial dividend um, of potentially their value, which could be quite crazy, really. And that would probably bring up the values a lot of a lot of absolutely shitholes at the bottom of the market. It could, it would cause chaos, I think. But, um, yeah, and then you get you definitely get a day where someone who's worth like seven p wins. You'd get that some thirty six year old playing for Mexico or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reckon FI would love that as well because their payout would be really small. I think actually it would go the inverse where mm. it would be even more profitable for them. They don't have to pay, they have to pay out I don't know ten pounds to whoever was held that one guy who held one share. Yeah, in a seven p player exactly. Uh, we'll move on there. FI Headhunter. Do you think people who are good at FPL can translate their knowledge into being successful at FI? And do you think you can win the FI head-to-head league set up by Davos FI? Can I win that head-to-head league? Definitely. Sitting in second place behind Headhunter, so I know exactly yeah. why he's thrown that out. Um, the Davos set one up. Um, <laughs> he's shitting himself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been having a dreadful FPL season. I think I'm like rank a million, but I'd somehow... Because of the head-to-head head league, my fixtures have wound up with me winning quite a few. So I'm sitting there. I'm now quietly confident in my team. So definitely can win win that game and then go on. I don't know when I'm actually playing headhunter in the league, but hopefully it's this week and then can fire straight back at them. Um, but I mean, in terms of the FBL um, and that knowledge being successful at FI, I think yes and no. I mean, there's obviously a fixture role in FBL, which translates directly to my trading strategy. Um, so that helps. Um, and I'm not sure how closely like the bonus point system will align to FI's actual matrix. I think that'd be really interesting to see because if you can figure out from FBL who's likely to get bonus points, I'm sure there's, I mean, the FBL's community is huge. I'm sure there's people that spend their time doing that and try to get that extra three, two, one points. Um, so, I mean, translating that into FI holds could help you win stuff. But, I mean, there are big differences between FI and FPL. Like the goal and assist weighting is obviously huge in FPL, but um, can not actually translate to good PB scores. I mean, you look at people like Salah and Mane in um, FPL, they're absolutely romping it, scoring loads of goals, getting loads of assists, but into translating that into PB, it doesn't really happen that often um 
for me there i mean that liverpool front three are incredible and those two are great for fpl i um, have Mane um, in my fpl team but i don't hold any of them on fi because they're just not winning dividends because they just don't put up the scores I think, yeah, I think the thing about it is there's obviously transferable knowledge and obviously the more you know about football, the better. So it's great, but there are, you need to be aware, biases that come with it. And there are players who you think, like, Den Donker was a great bench warmer at the start of the FPL season for whatever reasons, price, fixtures, all this. That doesn't make him a good FI hold as much as, even though he might be on 40% of FPL teams, you know, that way. So there's obviously those biases that come over and you need to just very clearly distinguish the two different games in your head you know yeah definitely i mean look at lot uh, was it lodstrom yeah Lundstrom. um defender on fpl absolutely killing it but not worth a penny on um fi because he's not winning any dividends he's not a media threat i mean for me it's that's kind of a case in point of the differences there i mean he's an absolutely amazing fpl hold but for fi he's not really worth much at all I wonder what his price actually is. I've just that's what I'm doing. He IPO'd at one twenty. He rose to one forty five, and he's back at one thirty three. He's only thirteen p above IPO. Says it all, really, doesn't it? Yeah, low risk, but I mean one thirty three. That I think he would be half that price if it wasn't for FPL. Yeah, I mean IPOing it that you're just trading off the name and that user base. I mean they always get a nice boost with the flippers for IPO, but then come straight back down again for 133 there's obviously a few people holding i suppose he gets a couple of goals and that might translate but i think you need the stars to align for him to win pb yep uh we'll move on there oh my god you will not believe this i just got a notification to tell me that dan donker just scored for wolves <laughs> it is 314 on saturday he scored in the 14th minute jesus christ eating my words uh, <laughs> imagine he wins PB today now. Jeez, I'll snap. Anyway, um, is there? That's Dion, amazing, isn't it? Him, him and Lundstrom. Oh, Lundstrom was last night, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Dion Doubling has asked: Is there any value in Bronze Day since the div increase? I thought it's quite a interesting one because for me, if you thought there was value before, then there's still value now. I mean, the the relative values decrease because gold and silver has fallen but uh, has risen by so much sorry but actually the the winnings that you get for a bronze day are the same winnings that you got for a bronze day before except Starman's now double the price so if you like them before and the prices are still attractive then yeah definitely they're still there i think there was one last night um there was a two game um Bronze Day, and I mean, for me, I was looking at Pae, thinking he might do something. He did absolutely nothing. Um, but with the the West Ham and um, Sheffield game, PB winners out of their two P, it returns a bit of their price. And if they still have decent fixtures coming up, or they are a decent hold for the future, that's free dividends at the end of the day. If they're someone that you're you're holding, so I think the attentions come off them a lot, just because. Gold days are so much more valuable now, but if you're if you're looking at someone who you're potentially buying for a gold day or a, a run in the future, and you notice that they have a one or two game bronze day, then it's definitely worth looking mm. into. Yeah, I think since the div increase, the value is still there. It's just relative to the gold days now. They don't seem to tickle people's fancy as much. But I can't say the two p excites me when it's up for grabs. But I mean, it's it's just I mean relatively. 
if you win the star man it's 4p isn't it it's 2p and 2p yeah 4p which is i mean it's not negligible it, if it's a one pound hold for example that's four percent before they get to some really big games and if they are a, a pb threat then that's a just a free four percent return to you i don't know i like them i like the the i like the kind of how predictable they are to an extent they're never really predictable but again like you said like you can look ahead and buy your pilot but even if you see those days next month you can buy those players ahead knowing they'll have a rise in the week or two leading up to that fixture um so i mean is there value in bronze days in terms of the dividend i mean there's always value like i mean what is value there, there's always it's, i mean it's it's money yeah it's, it's extra money what am i trying to say here like you're more likely to win something yeah so it's obviously great but where i think the big value comes from them even though it's kind of different from the question is the buying in advance of them waiting for your players to rise if that makes any sense at all we'll move on to our last question it's from dj nice fi if trading ipd at the lower end of the market how many players would you have in your port for that weekend week or month and how far in advance do you buy players for the upcoming fixtures? Again, we don't really trade IPDs, either of us. But like, just to suppose for part of the question, how many players do you have in your portfolio? Um, I think I have around 20 players at the moment. So I tend to go big in players that I believe in, um, rather than having a diverse portfolio. Uh, yeah, I've got 18 right now. So, I mean, I've got a lot of shares in players that I believe in. Um, and then I will take the rise um, as I can, like my PB holds. I'm, I'm probably going to diversify those a bit more um, just because obviously when PB do, players do fall, that does mean my port takes quite a big hit. If, especially in particular, like for example, someone like Jorginho has had a big fall recently, lost a lot, and he's a big hold of mine. So I've lost a lot of value on him, although I got in at 180. I mean, I could have sold at £3 and then rebought in now at 230 um, so I think for me, it's having, I think, diversifying that so that it's more of a regular income of dividends for those players rather than getting really big hauls when um, when they do win, just having the frequent payout, which I can then try and uh, uh, also add compound as uh, as they do with and add to my trading pile. So for me, uh, I'm in players pretty big monitor them I, I try to try and do a lot of research before i get into them um because otherwise like if i'm not truly believing them then why am i putting my money in them and then when i do i'll i'll buy quite a few of them um top up along the way as well i quite often top up on my holds if i still think they're value, valuable um and then go from there so yeah for me i mean there's merits to both sides but high risk high reward um for me tends to work better if i feel like the the reward is going to be a lot higher if that makes sense yeah no it does and i i agree i i tend to if i believe in a player i'd go balls to the wall i only have 22 players at the minute two of which are for sale so i have 20 as well you could say um and again i like to to go balls deep um the my biggest loss though again like you said is is daniel parejo i bought him at three my average buy price was 306 and I mean, he was up at whatever three thirty, and now he's back down at two forty six. So I've actually lost one hundred and fifty seven quid on him. But I'm not selling him because I do genuinely still believe in the guy. Um, and I think once he starts getting fixtures again, blah blah blah, pump pump pump. But um, I'll be holding him. But anyway, 
Lammings, I think that's all we have time for. Is there anything you wanted to cover that we didn't cover? Perfect. No, I think that's uh, everything for me. Enjoy asking the questions. Thanks for having me on. You're doing a great job for the community and everything. So no worries. I'm sure you're enjoying it, despite being horrendously hungover. Yeah, maybe not so much today, and I won't enjoy the editing. But no, no, that that sounds mean towards you. <laughs> I love talking to you. <laughs> I've just actually regret that I'm not in better in a better way to have had more conversation rather than question asking. But um, look, that's the that's the the show must go on. And this was the only time we could really make it work. So thank you very much for your time. And where can people find you? Other than is it just Twitter and Slack? Isn't it you're on? Yeah, Twitter and Slack. Fi Lammings. Um, I'm pretty active on both. Um, more active than I should be on Slack. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, Twitter. All my DMs are open and happy to have as many conversations as people would like. Very good. Well, look, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again for coming on. I'm sure. Um, yeah, everyone listening, have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. Perfect. Thanks very much.